0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. And didn't finish it um because... I was enjoying myself too much and, um, and then we got stuck halfway through so then I said I'll kind of fi- finish it off tonight but to be honest with you I'm not even sure we're going to finish it off tonight because um, it's, uh, we, we might, we'll might we we'll keep going as we, as we keep going but um, what I wanted to do is just for those who weren't here ref- um, go over it a little bit um, to help you get where we're going and also for those who, who were here perhaps as a little reminder uh, in terms of what I've been uh, saying so Lord I thank you for Everybody here, thank you for your word and um, that you you want to speak to us. And, Lord, you also want us to speak to you. you want, and thank you that you're attentive and you listen to our prayers. So, Lord, um, help us and continue to ask this, just as the disciples asked you. Please teach us to pray. Amen. <clears throat> so, what I said last week was... One way that we can all pray more, and something I'm trying to challenge myself to do and trying to have a little reminder of, is, is to just do that. Just the first thing on there, pray first. And actually to remember and remind ourselves before we do that, shall we pray first? That actually you could just say to something, um, somebody, you know, it might be a conversation, people are all going to decide on something. You say, well, do you mind if we, do you mind, do you mind if we pray first? Is it all right? Would it be alright if I prayed first? Before we do that, shall we pray first and it's funny, I was talking to somebody this morning about this and they were saying that even, even as Christians sometimes we feel a bit weird doing that, like we don't want to come across as the most spiritual person or something like that so we stop ourselves from actually doing but actually? why not be a bit of a more spiritual person? Why not say, let's pray first. Let's pray before we eat that meal. Let's uh, pray before we make that decision. Let's pray before we we go to that place for protection. Let's pray for, you know, and how much much more praying would we do if we just decided to pray first before we did it or took the action or made the decision? And then, um, you know, before we sent the reply all email. That's all really... Pray first, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. It could help, couldn't it, for us to do that? And does not saying it's got to be like, you know, go away for three hours into a dark room somewhere. It's just a quick conversational, okay, God, please, he gives your wisdom, your help, whatever. Something like that. Pray first, pray first, pray first. Be the person, make the decision this year. You know, oh, we're, at my church, we're just doing something. We're trying to pray a bit more. Would it be all right if we prayed first before we do that? Is that okay? Let's pray. Something like that. Okay, next one please, Matt. Because this is about, yeah, not just praying is something that we do, but something that we create a lifestyle of prayer where it becomes natural for us. It becomes more and more the natural thing, the normal thing that we normally do, is to, is to be a person of prayer and to pray more and more just as a natural part of who we are. So it's not like, now I'm going to go and do this thing. That's it's, it's like, this is who I am. I'm a person who prays. I can pray about all kinds of things. I can pray about everything. Because God wants to connect with me about everything and anything. And he's not kind of like, oh, I'm sorry, I only want you to talk about religious stuff with me. I don't want you to talk about, um, you know, about that. It's like, no, God wants us to talk with him about everything because that's His relationship that he's more interested in than the outcomes. You know, sometimes we can make it a bit transactional, but he's like, no, I just want, I just want to... What, what concerns you concerns me. And uh, he doesn't want it to concern us. The Bible says, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. It's like, um, you don't have to worry about it if you've prayed about it. In fact, the worrying crosses out the prayer if you're not careful, doesn't it? If, if, actually, if, I, if I've prayed about it, why do I continue to worry about it? Did I really pray about it? So it's like casting all your cares upon him. is like, okay, my car's parked outside and um, you know, maybe it's somewhere, maybe it needs moving, but I've given the keys to Roscoe now. <laughs> so, uh, <all> right. <laughs> so, um, so, if anything needs to happen with the car, it's Roscoe. You know, I've given it to him. And it's a bit like that with prayer. You can worry about it, or you can give it to God. But then sometimes we give it to God on a bit of string, don't we, and we keep pulling it back. <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, just casting all your cares upon him, because he cares for you. It's like that, just throw some stuff on God. He's big enough, he's got great big hands, and he can, he can receive it. So this is about creating a lifestyle. And we, I think, obviously, Jesus is our pattern for prayer. So the next um, slide, please, Matt. Um, says this, this is so, you know one way in which Jesus prayed was very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And I said last week, that doesn't mean we've always got to get up very early in the morning to pray, and like God's only awake early in the morning. And you know, it's like but but we know he is awake early in the morning because he never sleeps. He never slumbers or sleeps. So you can talk to him anytime. But it's good, and Jesus had this pattern of that He had a certain time. And the thing is, if you don't have a certain time, when you and you know, maybe you can make a little note on your calendar of when, when, I don't know, maybe Jesus was a morning person and He liked mornings, and He was like, I love to get up early in the morning and do that. So that's when He really liked to pray. But maybe He didn't make you a morning person, and that's all right. You know, sometimes we read these books about prayer and it's all these, you've got to be up at like three o'clock in the morning and give four hours to God, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm like, to be honest with you, not even God would really want to be spending a lot of time with me if I was getting up regularly that time in the morning. Because uh, just, I'm just not very nice. And so, But, but at other times, I'm, I can give him my best and my best attention. And so, you know, why, what's the best time for you to give him rather than the worst time for you to give him? Because you know, if we talk about this first week stuff, it's not just about money. It's, it's like, what's the best that you can give him? What's the, well, you know, rather than it being like, I give my best time to box sets, or I give my, my best time to, to various things with work or whatever, what's, what's the best time when you're most attentive and you're fully on and fully present? Because why don't you put that in as being the time that you're gonna give to God, just a bit of it? Um, a certain time, what's your certain time? A certain place. He went off to a solitary place somewhere where he wasn't gonna be disturbed, where he could be just him and God. Amazing um, guy called Henri Nguyen wrote a book years ago, and uh, it, and it, it was a little, it was more of a leaflet really, and it was called From Solitude to Community to Ministry, and he said that's the pattern of Jesus's life, and that was why it was so powerful, that he went from solitude, being with God and God alone, to community, to being with a group of other people, and then from there he went and did ministry. And he says actually he didn't do ministry, he was ministry. He, was like, he says that power went out from him wherever he went. Where did the power come from? From the solitude. From those times when he was just with God and God alone in solitude, then he would go and do community together with other people and ministry would flow out of him. And Henri Nouwen said, he said, sometimes what I do, he says, I've got to be honest, he says, I'll go and I'll do ministry and I'll do my ministry. And then I'll get tired out and a bit fed up. And then I'll go to the community and say to them, why aren't you helping me? Why is nobody helping me? And then, because they're not helping me, I'll go to God and complain about everybody to God. And he says, that's the pattern that we can get into. But actually, the pattern's supposed to be from solitude to community to ministry. So, have you got any space in your life, any time, any space for just being you and God Alone. And is there a place that you could you could have? Is there, is there a, a, you know, maybe it could just be a little place at work or somewhere that you can go and, and, or, uh, or in your house. Just somewhere where you can sit and just be you and God. Um, because that's like where you get plugged in to the power. That's where you get plugged into the wisdom of God. And then uh, the next thing is that Jesus actually had like a certain pattern or even a certain plan that he would... He taught his disciples to pray. So this is not, we call it the Lord's Prayer. We said last week, it's actually the disciples' prayer because the Lord gave it to the disciples. He didn't say, this is how I pray so much as this is how you should pray. They came to him saying, teach us to pray. And he said, okay, here's a prayer you can pray. Here's a pattern for you to be able to pray. It's not something whereby you have to just learn this by memory. So then, that's what you pray word for word when you want to pray. People made it into something like that. And I, you know, previously, when I, my my particular church background when I was a kid was that I, I would learn certain prayers. This was one of them. And when you'd been bad, you would go to the priest, and then he would say, "I want you to say that prayer seven times." And you'd know you'd been really bad if it was seven times that you had to pray it. Or if, it was, you know, if, it was not, if you had a good week, it might just be you got three. But they were like a punishment. The prayer was a punishment, if you like, or a penance. They called it penance. So prayer was like a penance. And I got really good at saying it fast. Because you know, then I could get out there and do some more bad stuff. So I would be you know, like, oh, Father in heaven, I'll be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I don't know if there was <laughs> any Amen <laughs> and then I'd be off. You know, and it was like, but that's not it. That's not what it's meant to be. It's not just knowing something by rote and repeating it parrot fashion. It's supposed to be. He's saying, here's a pattern. So now what we can do is actually go through this section at a time, and in a way, sometimes I've done this, and I've just been praying because you know I'm like you. I'll have those times when I'm like, all right, well I want to pray, but I don't really know what to pray and so I'll end up drifting off into all kinds of other stuff because I've got this thing going on and that thing going on and then I've got notifications and I didn't turn them off or bing bing or whatever and it's all that kind of stuff going on. And, oh text, that's interesting, Facebook, Ooh. And all my prayer time just went. Am I the only one? No. Oh yeah, good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's nothing about lying in there so that's okay. So, <laughs> so <laughs> um, here's the pattern connect relationally and what you can do you can kind of just go through this and start to do it and then stick if you like as you're going through it you don't have to like, get through the whole thing when you're praying sometimes I'll go through this and I'll just start and I'll say Lord I want to pray to you and thank you for the Lord's prayer I'm going to use that our Father in heaven and then I'll just sit with that and think about it I've got a dad in heaven thank you God that you're my dad Thank you that you are Abba. Thank you that you are so close to me that that's what you want to be. And we're connecting relationally in doing this because that's what he says he wants us to do. So, you know, you can spend a long time just thinking about how you've got a, a father in heaven. And what does that mean? That he's not just like an earthly father. You no, know, however good or bad yours was. And just to be able to think into that. And then from there, hallowed be your name to go to the next stage and think about the name of Jesus or the name of that God is father and I can call him that or think about some of the names of God that there are in scripture and you know you can say thanks for being a good shepherd to me thank you that you're the gate thank you that you all these different things you start to think through different names of God because you know in doing so you're getting closer and closer to him and and, you know hallowed be your name just means I want to set you apart. I want to say how amazing you are and just worship and praise him and praise his name. There's real power in doing that. And your kingdom come and your will be done on earth. Is about saying I want to pray about your agenda first because sometimes I will come with my list and my worries and all these different things I want to pray about. But actually what I want to learn to do more and more is say, God, what do you want? What's most important to you? Because what's important to you, I want to be more important to me. So um, let your kingdom come, let your will be done here on the earth and then I'll think about some areas perhaps where in the world, on the earth, it isn't happening that God's will is being done and I'll pray about those things and that could be in the big wide world out there or it could be in my little circle and around my street or my family but I'm inviting the kingdom to break in and actually we've said when we were doing the kingdom stuff last year that's a declaration, that's not just an ask, that's like your kingdom come, your will be done. It's like a declaration. Let, let, this, let it be. You're, you're actually using your authority when you pray like that. It isn't just an ask. That's like in this situation where this isn't happening. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And you have authority to be able to pray like that. And then I want to focus in on this one. Um, give us this day our daily bread. Because we stopped. But that's how far we got last week. And I wanted to go in on this a little bit. Give us this day our daily bread. And um, just as I've been thinking about it even today, and it does tie in with the first fruits. You know, we, what did we just sing? You're never going to let, never going to let me down. Do we believe that? Because the extent that we believe that we will be generous. If, you, if, we, if I actually believe and I've settled it, that my God will give me my daily bread, and I don't fear that, I'll be generous, I'll be able to be generous. And what came to me as I was praying about this was this phrase, and you might want to think about it, that the opposite of generosity is not greed, it's fear. Because I don't know about you, but usually, if there's an opportunity to give in church or in some other way, it's not usually greed so much that holds me back. I'm not kind of thinking, "Oh, I'm not going to give to that because ah, I want to buy this." I'm going to more for me. I'm like, I'm not. I mean, over, over, I mean, maybe there was a time when I, I used to be like, that, but I'm not. I don't feel like that usually. That's not the thing that holds me back. What holds me back from generosity usually is fear. I'm like. If I do that, who's going to look after me? If I, if I give that, how am I going to be able to, to get the things I need? So it is actually fear, you know, at its root, that holds us back. I mean, you can call it all kinds of other stuff, but I think that's, you know, just looking at my own heart, that's generally what it is. I think, well, yeah, that's great, I'd, you know, I'd like to give to that. But I've got this and that, and I've got bills and payments. And I've got some savings that I want to do, maybe. And I've got this person who owes me. And I've already decided in my head I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And and then we even start to project it beyond today's needs into tomorrow's fears. And the months afterwards worries. And the rest of the years, I don't know what is going to happen. Because the interesting thing is that Jesus actually talks about this as being a one day at a time thing. And to be able to trust and ask, did you actually, have, have you today asked God to give you your daily bread? Because this seems like the kind of prayer that Jesus is saying when he says daily bread, we, could, we should be praying every day. It's like a dependence prayer. He's saying, I'm depending on you for absolutely everything. I'm not going to rely on me. I'm going to rely on you. I'm not going to depend on, on how clever I am, how good I am. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to depend on my boss. I'm not going to depend on the government. I'm not going to depend on the economy. I'm, I'm going to depend on God. He's going to be my source. He's going to be my supply. So, so God, you're my father in heaven and I want your kingdom to come most. I want your name to be exalted. Would you give me today what I need? Because that's really what the daily bread is, isn't it? It's not saying you just live on Hovis, or whatever, and crumpets. You know, what if you don't like carbs? (laughs) It's like, give me what I need today. And it's give us, it's not just give me, actually. It's beyond me, to us, which is me and mine, and others around me because he's talking to a group here wasn't he wasn't you know the, the disciples come to him and he actually say you know could you could you even extend that prayer to not just be about you but to be about others around you and, and to be honest i never ever thought like that before i became a christian i never thought like that and to me, one of the the proofs that God has done some things in my heart is that, and I think it is a proof. Often, it is is that we get a, a dependence on God, and we become, over time, more and more dependent on Him. And as we become more dependent on Him, we we find out He's dependable, and then we find it easier, perhaps, to be, to be generous. And I talked this morning about how I mean miracles of provision. Fairly early on as a Christian, um, it was. We, we went to buy a house, me and Zoe, and, and I messed up all of the... the I didn't, I didn't, I'd never bought a house before, and I didn't realise there was all these extra fees and costs, so I had it all planned out over here, but then we bought the house, and there was this cost, and there was this cost, and there was this solicitor, and there was this, there, all this stuff that I hadn't taken into account, and I had all of this... I didn't have this money, and I was like, what am I going to do? And it basically wiped out the whole of the month's money immediately, and I've just got this big gap, and I've got no idea what we're going to do with it. And I'm like a, you a know, relatively new Christian, and, and sweaty. And I'm like, what can I do, what can I sell? That's what I'm thinking, you know. Do they, you know, is it like sell some body part or something? I've got no idea what I'm gonna do to be able to get that amount of money because then because, I'm looking at her and she's looking at me and we don't know what we're gonna do. So Zoe ended up, we'd, we'd, we'd not been in this church particularly long, but um, she, she was in a, little, in, a, in a group, a house group like we have here with, um, with a few ladies and uh, there was one lady in particular that she, she, she thought, well, I know if I ask her to pray, she'll know I'm not asking her to help because I know her and she hasn't got any money. Her, she's a, a teacher and she's got like um, four kids and her husband works at the factory down the road and um, they haven't, you know, so I just ask her to pray. So at the end of it, she hung back and she said, "You know, everybody had gone round and had their things, and she not felt she knew people enough to be able to share it. Apart from this lady, she sort of said to her, just in confidence, can I share something with you, just for you to pray about?'" And the lady said, "Yeah," and prayed about it, and that was it. And then a couple of, only a couple of days later, there was a knock on the door, and it was her husband. And he turned up and he said, um, it's, called, "It's called John," and he said, uh, "Just come around. I need to know what." You owe some money. What, I need to know what the figure is for, for the debt of what you owe. And I was like, a bit personal, mate, to be honest. <laughs> you know. Uh, Thanks, but why are, you telling, why are you asking me that? Because I say, this is all new to me. you have got no idea. And then he said, um, he said, well, the reason is, he said, um, I need to know. He says, I've got a rough idea of what it might be. He says, me, anyway, but I want, to, I want to know exactly because I've got my checkbook here and I want to write it off, that debt. And I'm like... You know, you know you can't do that. I don't, why, why would you do that? I don't get it. And he said, he said, well, I've been working at this factory for like 25 years and a couple of years ago they gave us all, because it was taken over by another company, they gave us all f- shares in the company, um, free. And um, so I've gone and sold those shares because I was praying and I felt God told me to, sh- to sell those shares and give them to you to pay off your debt. So how much is it? And I've got to say, in, in me there was all this kind of pride and... and, all that, and but something, I was like, And he did it and he wrote it off and it it took a bit of humility for me to receive it, to be honest with you, because I was used to depending on me, but then actually behind it I could see this wasn't him giving it. He was saying, look, I never want you to speak to me about this again. Because I I was like, and I went up to him in church a couple of weeks later and I started saying, I just want to say thanks to him. Because he was like, "God, I just did what God told me. I don't want you coming, thanking me for me just doing what God told me to do. A few years ago, actually when we just talked on the First Fruits thing, I was reminded of it. I was saying that there was a time when we, we did the First Fruits and we got this amount of money and we gave it all away. Um, year one. Year two, if you remember, it was, it was about the time, do you remember the economy like super crashed? Do you remember it was like the news and now the news love a good fear story. So everything was basically saying the economy has just crashed completely, you know, head into the hills. And live on beans. It was just like, it was just, the, and it was a real scary, scary time for everybody. And they, I mean, the news loved that. Anyway, they, they called a meeting for prayer at Manchester Cathedral. It was that bad. Let's pray for the nation because the economy just went through the floor. It's that bad. You know, it's so bad we better pray. <laughs> And um, so I went to this meeting at Manchester City Cathedral, and this was about the same time we were talking about doing this first fruits. And I said to Mike Ledger, who was then the, the, um, the, the treasurer, I said, I'm you know, still thinking we should do this first fruits thing. What, what do you think? And he, and he was like, I don't know, to be honest. He said, we, you know, I don't know if we'll get anything. He said, because we'd have this and that. And, and uh, you know. But, if we, if we do it, maybe we should peg it way lower because we got like 15,000 last year. Maybe we should sort of say, you know, that, and this isn't like we're telling people. This is me and him praying. This is what this was like. A, I didn't say we want 15,000 pounds. I just prayed. That was my prayer goal for it. And it came in. And the year after, I was like, what should it be? Mike was saying, maybe we should go for 10. And I said, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't know about that. Anyway, I went to this thing at the Manchester Cathedral, and I'm sitting down and I'm praying about the economy, and everybody's worried about the economy. And I sat down and I'm like, God, I don't know how you're going to provide for all of these needs. I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm just praying that you 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 do it somehow and p- help the nation and help people who are struggling and just show that you can provide. And I'm praying on these other people, and I feel a tap on my shoulder, and I look around and literally, I've got to say, I haven't seen these people for 15 years. Guess who tapped me on the shoulder? John Roberts and his wife. These people, who all those years before, God had used to supply our needs, happened to be at this meeting, happened to come and sit behind me in the cathedral, just when I'm praying a kind of God, I don't know how you're gonna be able to supply. And they're like. (laughs) See, that helps me to depend on God. And so, you know, just to be able to see, God, God knows, God, you know, I could tell you so many stories about, about God's provision and how it can be such a blessing. And I actually, I mean, so often, things that have proved God, and I don't mean in terms of like just miraculous provision, what I mean is the generosity of God's people. Is, a, is an incredible thing because nobody really lives like that very often. Nobody the you know, People don't. People will. When I wasn't a Christian, I wouldn't give like that. I wouldn't think of doing something like that. And yet we hear story. I can tell you story after story from this community of people who hear about a need and go and somebody else goes and meets it. And it's like, and this is outside of it. This is like it's not outside of the church. It's all part of the church. But it's not. It's outside of the church finances. This is somebody heard about somebody in need and went, and things get sorted out. People help one another in the most incredible ways, all the time. In ways that, you know, that isn't going to happen at the bowling club. It's not going to happen at the snook hall. It's not going to happen in anything else. But there's something about the people of God. Because you're a body and you're joined. And in one part hurts, somebody else's. And actually then every time what you hear is people who are giving are going, oh no, it's all right. And, I lo- and, I, and they love it. So I'm talking about people not who've in some way had their arm forced up the back. Because if that's ever you, the Bible says don't do it. But it's something about loving it. It's something about. Do you know the richest person in the world is somebody who's able to give? You could be super wealthy and not give anything. And as far as I'm concerned, you're one of the poorest people in the world. It doesn't matter what you've got in your bank account, because you're just focused on yourself, and it's all about you, and you're self-reliant, and you're self-dependent. But what I've tried to do more and more in my life, personally, is, just personally speaking about this, is, trying to take Jesus' word seriously. He actually said this, give to everybody who asks and do not ask to be repaid. I don't really know anybody who does that. But I'm trying to do it a bit more. I'm trying to, you know, if, if I see people who need something, just to give them something. I'm not saying I can always give them, but it's like, and, and in a way, it might, not, it might only help them a bit. It helps me a lot. It helps, me, it helps me a lot for me to do that because all of that time when I do that, I'm like, I go away and I feel, I feel good about that. And there's all kinds of psychological stuff that would basically say that when you're more generous, you are so much happier than somebody who's not. It's like, it just, it, the, the, you know, and Jesus said, He's more blessed to give than receive, and He's right. Who thinks Jesus is right? He's right. He knows what He's talking about. He says, He's more blessed to give than to receive. But in our natural thing, we're like, no, 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 it's better to receive. And then we receive, and then we're like, what was that thing I received? I forgot about it. But I could really do with one of them, and one of them, and one of them. That never goes away. That never gets, get, that never, that, the more you feed that, the bigger that gets too. But the more you feed generosity, the bigger that gets. That's the way it works. So give us this day our daily bread. just like, just give me enough for me today. Most people, I would think, in this room have got what they need for today you know, the, the, and if you haven't, we run a thing called the Cap Centre, and we encourage people, and every year the church helps people out of, out of incredible debts and, and helps them to live debt free, and to be able to live differently in the future, and we don't just give them a load of money, because to be honest with you, if you gave somebody a load of money just to help them, that's only a short term solution, because actually what they need is a different Attitude to money and different actions with regard to money because the thinking that got you into the debt is the same thinking that will keep you in debt no matter how much money you get. And actually, what needs to be the thinking, the attitude needs to change. And one of the things they say, we often talk about this if you go on a CAP Centre course or you're, you sign up as a CAP thing, they'll say, out of what you've got, here's some give. And then here's some spend, and here's some pay off your debts. And, here, and it's like, because ultimately, just that act of you becoming a giver is breaking the pattern and the cycle of consumerism and of greed that is making everything depend on you for everything. And it is counterintuitive, it is not the way we think. I remember hearing a guy called Phil Pringle from Australia talk about how something happened in a church that when he was speaking. There was a couple in their church, who, um, a young couple, and as he was preaching like this, he felt God say to this couple, uh, he heard they were just getting married, and he said, God just told me to give you something towards your, your honeymoon. And he went over and he gave them like $50 in service. And then somebody else came along, and, uh, and they came, after that, and they gave them $50. And then somebody else, and all these, and these couple are just standing there, and, and people are giving them all this money, all this money. And they're like, what? And this is like near the end of the service. All these people are giving them all this money. And they ended up with like a couple of thousand dollars. And um, you might think, well, what's that about? And then it, the, the mother of the daughter was at the back of the church who'd just come along to check it all out because she was worried about her daughter marrying this Christian guy and came to check out the church that day because she was like, you're joining some kind of a cult and it's all a bit weird and I don't like you going to this church. She came and sat at the back to check it out and when she saw this church getting around this couple and it turned out they weren't going to go on honeymoon because they didn't have any money and they'd just given their last $50 and put it in the offering that day and then when this mother saw all these people blessing this couple she gave her life to Jesus that's like you know that's the kind of thing that happens when we pray give us this day our daily bread and when I've got confidence that today I've got enough then I can give and to the extent that we haven't got that which then, then I'm going to be fearful about about being able to do it, aren't I? Is that true? So, for example, oh, uh, there's thirty pounds. I'd like to give you that, genuinely, and I'd like you to give ten pounds of it to somebody else. Yeah. great, thank you for, thank you for giving that, it's a daft picture, it's a little picture, that's what God does with us, he gives us what we need, and then when you know you've got what you need, it's just, it's just like, easy isn't it, to pass it on, the problem is so often with the money that we get though, what I find in my own life is God gives me that, he gives me stuff all the time, he gives me money all the time, but, it, it switches from me going, oh God, thank you for giving me that money. The longer it's in my hands, the more I actually believe it's mine, if you like, and I want to hold on to it, and I don't want to give it on to anybody else or whatever, because now it's I've become dependent on the money. But the, I mean, so this is like a mental change. It's like, thank you for giving me my daily bread. Lord, give me opportunities, show me opportunities to be generous. And the thing is, He will He'll test us in that. I was reading in in, uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. If you haven't got your Bible, you'll have a look. You can have a look. It talks about it's a famous story about Elijah. So it says that Elijah said to the king to Ahab, As the the Lord the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So uh, there's this terrible king who's ruling over the, the nation, and Elijah gets told. You know, basically God's going to put him under the cosh and give him some signs. And one of the signs is it's not going to rain. It's going to be like, you know, a terrible time of drought across the whole of Israel. And then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. That's not, that's not like Waitrose or Sainsbury's Deliveries or something like that. That's not, this is like the raven plan. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kevish River east of the Jordan and stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. So it's like he just got his daily bread and meat. You know, ravens making sandwiches or something. I don't even get that. But... They're like, somehow, what he needs is coming every single day in a time of drought all around him, in a time of famine all around him. And why? He did what he was told. And he stayed where he was told. And he says, and he drank from the brook. And he must have been thinking, this is all right. But then, sometime later, the brook dried up because there'd been no rain in the land. It's come to a, a halt. Sometimes that can happen, can't it? Sometimes the way that God supplied, now He's got a different way. I've got a different way of supply for you now. But you just stayed in the same place, not listening to me, not doing what I say, isn't going to see the next stage of supply. This is why prayer matters. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. Now, do you think if you've been having ravens delivering your food, it's easier for you to be able to believe that a widow can supply? Yeah? I think so. So he goes and he's thinking, you know, great, there might be a widow here, you know, etc. This is going to be amazing. And then, when he came to Zarephath, he came to the town gate and a widow was there gathering sticks. He's like, widow? Good, God told me, widow. There's a widow, this'll be her. So he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? Why is he thinking that? Because he's thinking the supply of water dried out. Now I'm going to ask her, because she's now in the means of supply. As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. Because he's a guy who's now used to expecting the provision of God to come in unusual ways. He's not worrying about it. He's not fearful about it. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, which means I don't believe God lives. (laughs) That's really what she's saying, because you can see what she says next. That's just like a phrase for her. I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son so we may eat it and die. So it must have been a really bad meal she was gonna make him. (laughs) (laughs) So she's like basically saying, I haven't got anything. Why are you asking me? I haven't got anything. And then she tells him what she's got. As surely, as the Lord lives, she says, She's saying, I haven't got this. And then Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Because the opposite of generosity is not greed, it's fear. Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said. But first, make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. Then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the, Lord, the day the Lord gives rain on the land. Is that a test of faith? Could she have said, on your bike? As surely as the Lord lives, on your bike. She could have done, couldn't she? And she would have been justified. In all kinds of ways for saying that. Like, are you kidding me? I've just told you my desperate situation. I've just told you how bad it is. Now I haven't really got anything. Now you're telling me to go and make you a little cake. Verse 15, she went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So it's like she did what God said, and she saw what God could do. But it's always, it's always a test to be able to do that. I think this is about an opportunity for... for uh, whenever there's a, an opportunity to give, or whatever we're doing like this, it, it's like an opportunity for, to step into a bigger life and a bigger a bit, a sense of which it, there's not just enough for me, but there's enough for others. Um, and, and it's a mindset issue to be able to think like that. I've got to say, a few weeks ago, if you'd have said to me and Zoe, about first fruits, we would have said, "Well, we've just had to pay for that," and then there was that unexpected thing, and there was that thing, and then there was that, and we've got perfectly good reasons why we could say we did that and we did that. So we're kind of off the hook in all kinds of ways, and we should just give give a little cake <laughs> or whatever. But then, in the goodness of God, He's actually given us in the last couple of weeks some things where we can, kind of, "Oh, there was that, and there was that, and there was that," and it's like actually we could. What, what the temptation with that is, we could go, "He's given us that." For us. Just be, it's alright for me just to be honest about my own giving and my own thinking and all that in this. Is I'm encouraging you to do. So even today in the car, we're driving along with Zoe and we're talking about it. And, and we were like, what should we do? And Zoe's like, well, well, God gave us that and that, didn't he? Yeah, and I could still do with it. But, but that's what we should do. Yeah, let's do it. And we agreed together and we're happy to be able to do that. And I'm not saying that in any way to make anybody else feel what you should give because you've got to talk to God, but I do think it's good to talk to God about that. And when you do, when you, I often found, that in, even in a year of prayer, the, the more we pray, the more opportunity we'll get to be generous. The more times that God will say to, to us, I want, I'd like you to do this and I'd like you to do that. And it's one of the best things you get to be able to do. You know, as elders, we sometimes sit around and we'll look at things that have come in and we have go to the first fruits every year. And the journey and the story of that, as I said, has been so amazing as we've been able to bless so many things. And, and just a little while ago, we sat and, and we've, we've had people saying, what about this? And we're like, yeah, we can help that. We can help that. And then we've gone, you know, there's a, there's a time in, in, in it, this is like living like royalty in a sense. Do you, you, know, you know the queen never carries a purse, don't you? Like, it's like, because she doesn't have to, because it's, it's going to be sorted wherever she goes. All, I mean, all the notes have got her picture on anyway. <laughs> So, King David, one day sitting in the court and he says, who is there, who else is there of the house of Saul that's still left who, for us to bless? What an amazing way to live. And sometimes, I'm part of conversations like that, where we'll sit around and we'll go, hey, who can we bless this is something going on that is great. We can just go, we want to bless you. We'll do it in staff teams sometimes too. You know, we sometimes we'll have a thing on it. Who's in need? Who are we going to thank? And then sometimes it's like, who can we bless? Can we just bless somebody? Can we just do something to, to bless somebody? Some of the best things you can do. All of that, I remember so many of them. All kinds of things I spend money on, I don't remember. I don't feel massively good about. It's just stuff I've got to do. But all those who can I bless, what can I bless kind of conversations are so much fun. You know, so last year, some of the things that we ended up doing was, um, you know, we gave twenty thousand pounds to another church in the city for their building project, and um, and it happened. It just so happened to come in. I rang the guy and I said to him, um, we, "We're going to give this. We just to you know we're going to give some money to what you're doing. Uh, we just wanted to. We love what you're doing. but Just want to bless you as, as a church." And I didn't tell him how much it was, and he was like. Um, Oh, great, he says, it's so funny you'd say today because we're just about tonight to have like a, a big offering thing where we're going to tell our, our church about it and we want to we talk about uh, you know, about encouraging people in our church to be able to give towards it. I said, could you come along? So I said, yeah, and I went along. And then to be able to get up at their thing and say to people in that church, the people of Ivy, love what you're doing and we're one big church in the city and we love what you're doing and, and, and we'd like to be able to give to you £20,000, people are like, oh. and it's like one of the best things you get to do. And there's another church, North Manchester, £5,000. And there's a church in the Rhondda Valley, poorest part of the country, in Wales. A guy next week will be moving into a, into a new facility, and Ivy said, we're going to pay for your, your, the hire of your building every week this year. And, it, and I mean, I can think of so many other things, and it's just like... I'm not saying I'm, I'm bragging about God here. Is that all right? Because bra- just that thing of being able to go, bless, 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 bless. Two Corinthians says this: God is able to make all grace abound to you. I love that word, abound to you, so that at all times, say at all times, say it like you believe it. And in all things, having all that you need, not, not all that you want, yeah having all that you need, you may abound in every good work. It's like God, God is able to do that. Do we believe he's able? To the extent that we believe that he's able, we'll ask and we'll receive and we'll give and we'll be joyful. Um, and he'll, he'll abound in us and his grace will abound all around us and it's just fantastic when that happens um, so yeah the answer for, for fear is trust It's not more money Sometimes people think the answer to less money is more money because actually, ultimately, I've had more money and I've had less money. And sometimes I've thought, when I've got no money, the answer is more money. But then the more money comes and it goes again. Um, So I just want to trust him more and know he's given me my daily bread and so he'll look after me tomorrow. Why don't you stand in, we'll pray into that. Just look at the words on the bottom depend on him for everything. Lord, thank you that you are dependable. Don't just don't just look at what you haven't got. Look at what you've got. Look at what you've been given already, and then and then trust it. Give it all back to God. I'm praying today, Lord, for my daily bread. Tomorrow, when I wake up, remind me to ask you for the things that I need for tomorrow. And then this kind of a bounding journey will just get bigger and bigger. Especially because I'm not asking just give me my daily bread, but give us. Give enough so that I'll be able to be, as your word says, generous on every occasion. I don't even know what that looks like. Um, but I want to I start to see what it looks like. Even if, even, if I can, even if I've only got a small bit of change, Lord, thank you that that small bit of change that I give... Um, can affect a big change in me. Yeah. I'll do, just, just pray for that. Um David's just laughing there. That, that sense of hilarious giving. Yeah think because I said, mm. um, Mm. Mm. Yeah. I pray that we'll be able, Lord, as a community, to be able to meet more genuine needs of more people. We'll be able to help through the CAP Centre, people who are struggling with that. And I pray also, Lord, that uh, as we increasingly live lives of uh, financial wisdom, as we back away from unnecessary debt, as we learn to save and invest and, um, and to put something away rather than just spending it all as soon as we get it, as, 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 we, as we stop living as, just as consumers um, of our daily bread and become instead um, distributors. You know, there's that time it's in, in every gospel spoken about that miracle when a little boy just took the little that he had and surrendered it into Jesus' hands. And a miracle of multiplication came so that he had enough and everybody else had enough. And there was 12 basketfuls of leftovers. And we talk about that and we tell the story as a Sunday school thing. But being there must have been amazing. And the most amazing, amazed person perhaps was, was that little boy. He was just willing to, to, to give that over to you. Uh, so, Lord, whether, as we just heard, whether it's little or much, we just entrust ourselves to you and we pray that you would help us, Lord. Give us this day our daily bread and, um, and help us not to just eat it all ourselves, but to hold on, not just hold on to it all ourselves, but to be willing to, to share. And in doing so, Lord, we, we, we learn the joy of living uh, and the joy of giving. In Jesus' name. Amen.